yourself lucky to have fallen in love with a girl. The city and the river of mud let me know. Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is entitled Crescent City Nights, and Kurt LeBlanc is our GM. This is episode 11, and I will be doing the recap as linguistics professor Leon Fontenelle. So without further ado, como se no trae voyage dans la All I wanted was a normal life, a job I enjoyed, a place where I could relax in the evening. There's a, a comfortable sogginess to the bayou at night. You can hear the deep rumblings of the alligators and the gentle sounds of crickets and frogs sing you to sleep. You can sit and watch the fireflies dance their mating rituals and contemplate the cycles of life and death that are taking place all around you. I was born here and spent some of my youth here, but I didn't grow up here. Though my manners are of the genteel South, my sensibilities are set in the North, back in Massachusetts. That's where my mind developed. And now I wonder if I made a mistake in coming back here. In the short few months I have resided in New Orleans, I have been accosted by zombies, witch doctors, and the ghosts of Catholic schoolgirls and demon pirates long dead. I have sipped coffee with voodoo matrons and faith healers. And though the rational mind tries desperately to reject these things, the rest of my body and soul is forced to accept them. And whether I like it or not, I've been recruited as a member of a secret society known as the Green Crescent, who on the surface at least seemed dedicated to preventing the darkness from encroaching too far into the lives of ordinary citizens. I cannot explain rationally why my life has taken this unexpected and unwanted turn. It may be that God, in his infinite wisdom, has placed me exactly where I'll do the most good, but like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I am reluctant to fill that role. There has been a murder, or rather four murders, possibly occurring nearly the same time. This happened in the, hour, in the early hours of Friday, September 10th, not too far removed from our location at the time. We had left our meeting with former Inspector Robert Legrasse and Etienne Laurent de Marigny and had headed for home. We did not learn of the murders until that morning while gathered at Pardue's. There was a fair amount of evidence that the two men and their belle de nuit had been attacked by some wild animal. From the prints left behind, it was concluded that the culprit was most likely some sort of grand filon. The gathering crowd was quite agitated and speculative, and references to the zoo and an animal named Congo led us later that morning to the Audubon Zoo. There we observed a once magnificent and proud cougar with the name Congo. Two policemen were arguing with the animal keeper, threatening to put the beast down. Despite the obvious truth that the cat was old and decrepit and completely incapable of the crimes levied against it. With some intervention on our part, we were able to calm the officers and hopefully prevent the scapegoating of this poor creature. But it did seem, at the time, 
that the two officers involved were far too eager to blame the cat, possibly in order to halt any further investigation into the matter. We then turned our attention to what I thought was the obvious smoking gun, though I myself have to be careful in dealing with my own prejudices and personal opinions. A Mr. Mordecai Waitley was found a few yards from the other victims, disemboweled, his ankles broken, a mark on his arm, the symbol, which was an alchemist symbol, used to identify the element known as arsenic. He had either crawled away from the scene or he had been dragged. I, it did not seem likely that he broke his ankles jumping from a second-story window, except by the most ridiculous bad roll of the dice. We posited that his car must be in the neighborhood, and indeed, we found a vehicle matching our hypothesis. The Model A was locked, and it had towels in the windows, possibly to keep the heat out. The towels were embroidered with the Viridian Resort, which we decided to visit. As it turns out, Waitley was a resident at the Viridian, a rundown dump of a hotel that may have once shined brightly on the shores of Lake Pontchartrain, but was now far past its heyday. We gained access to his rooms with very little trouble at all. My previous reservations about judging a man based on his family name were allayed by the general disarray of his room. The man was a pig. We searched and found a number of disturbing items, including four goddamn statuettes of an obvious dark and satanic nature. They appeared to be nearly identical depictions of a troll-like creature, female, if I'm not mistaken, painted black. But upon reflection, if these things were very important to Waitley, then why were they strewn about haphazardly, two of them actually being inside a trash can? Other than this, we did not find his belongings. They may be in his car. While rifling through the trash, I found evidence that Waitley had recently gained $700 from a pawn shop for five rare gold coins, the proceeds of which he used to purchase over $350 worth of rare occult tomes, no doubt to be used in his monstrous rituals to summon Satan and his minions. We also found two diner receipts from the Dinadoc Brews Coffee House, which are hard to decipher. Since they were in Waitley's possession, we can assume that he paid for the meals. When scrutinized, it would seem that Waitley was in the company of at least three other people, possibly more. The mystery continues to perplex both me and my companions, and it seems obvious that we are not in the possession of all of the facts. Let us hope that the logic of this puzzle becomes clearer in the days to come. Very nice. Good job. All right. Well, that was a really good and thorough rundown of, of all the clues so far. Um, the, the Den of Dark Brews is, um, uh, is the coffee shop adjacent to the alley where the, all the bodies were found as well. You guys would know that. Um, the Dinner Dark Brews, you, it's also anybody who spends time in the French Quarter. So, uh, you know, Rose uh, being part of the Bohemian set, Alicia with, with your shop being just a few blocks away in the French Quarter, uh, would, would know this coffee shop well. It's, uh, it's got great coffee, really good pastries, um, uh, 
it's called the you know locals call it the brew uh everybody knows santos who's the owner and 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 lives above the place uh like a lot of people who have businesses in a french quarter do well uh, to bring it up because uh i think i i texted you kurt um the question arose if i go to the denadoc brews coffee and i order coffee and then i have a second coffee and a third coffee does that show up as three coffees on my bill because or is it like a free refill type of a deal right because if it's if it if you pay for each cup then yeah well this place isn't really a it isn't really a diner um per se where you know waitress might bring you by free refills it's more of a uh more of a, a, a bohemian set so you might pay you know for for each cup okay. um you know you definitely would at cafe du Monde. Right. We've been to Cafe Du Monde a bunch of times together. Um, you know, there, there's no free refills there. You're, you're paying for each one. Uh, but beyond that, you're, you're not really sure if you've, if you've never been to that particular place. Well, Unless that's something that probably have been there. Because uh, on the first date, September 11th, we have six cups of coffee, a pot of tea, and six pastries. And on September 21st, I'm sorry, that, that's not the right date. Sorry, I've got the wrong date. September, I think this is 7th and 8th. Yeah, let's say that the, the coffee shop receipts would have been dated a, a few days, but you know, within a week yeah. or so before the present. They were they were the one day and then the next day. So the next day, you once again got six cups of coffee, no pot of tea, but you got two cafe au and you've got seven desserts. Now, when you're talking beignets, beignets are not very big. People probably eat a few of them, you know, well, like donuts. So, as you as you're scrutinizing the receipts, make a make a spot hidden roll. Okay. And um, Alicia, why don't you make a a cult roll? I just barely passed it. Thirty nine out of forty. John Jerry, why don't you, so what, one thing you notice, uh, Leon, from the receipts is that there is a, a faint smell of lilac, you believe. Lilac. You believe it to be. John Jerry, if you're looking at the receipts, why don't you go ahead and make a spot hidden as well? I got a 15. Okay, I've got a 15 out of 70. So that is an extreme. It's an extreme? Yes. Okay. As you as you guys are looking at the receipts together, let's say maybe after the Verde Resort, Fail. it could just be a, a hop, skip, and a jump over to some of the uh, uh, restaurants on the wharfs on Lake Pontchartrain. So, uh, you know, maybe you guys are having dinner at uh, at Fitzgerald's, and uh, you know they're famous for their black and catfish and ball crabs. Uh, it's not. It, it's a little behind crawfish season, but um, but a, a bucket of ball crabs would would suit y'all real nice. As you guys are looking at the receipts together, kind of pass them around the table. Alicia, you, you, you're looking at this, you know, as, an, as a, you know, a dabbler in, in finding occult things, you, you're looking at this Shadow Stacks receipt and, and you don't know where that is. There's no address on it, but you have heard rumors that there is a place in the French Quarter that's kind of an urban legend uh, around you know, people who are into the occult or maybe your customers in the shop, that there is a place that, that sells like really rare um, occult books, um, uh, foul and, and 
blasphemous artwork and and that people actually travel from from all around to buy these things okay so i'll i'll um i'll let that known uh be known to the the rest of the group let them know um that tidbit of the information but we have no idea where this place is right but uh, i'll mention that you know and it says by, by uh, appointment only is it by no? Is it by appointment only? Have I? Let me uh, let me bring up that receipt again, if you don't mind. Sure. And now you've you've never really like heard a name of the place, but you've heard that there is such a place in the French Quarter. By invitation only. Okay. So they'll contact you. That's very strange. How do they how do they keep in business? I don't know, but if they're if it's. Um... If they sell like rare, hard to get books, I imagine that those the prices for those books are astronomical. Well, that that tells us actually something really important here. Mister Mordecai Waitley must have been the kind of a person that they would contact. Was he a book dealer, perhaps? Because how else would they know to contact Mister Will Mister Waitley? Well, I mean, you, you did say that uh, he has some sort of a reputation, so maybe that preceded him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, he sold those coins. It's going to say those books. He bought those books or sold them? He bought them. He bought those. Well, because he got, sold those four or five coins and got a pretty penny. Those books are also worth, re uh, worth re um, researching. Let's see if we can find at least what they're they're about. We can find references to the books, maybe. So the book, Judge Jerry, uh, why don't you go ahead and make a spot hidden as well? Actually, I failed my, I rolled mine at the same time. So. I seem to fail like every spot hidden. <laughs> Spectre comes up. Maybe time for a new Spectacles prescription. <laughs> Inspector Clouseau had a 99 on his luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This martial arts. I was going to say, so the room didn't. I was going to say the books weren't in the room, so I, th I think we're going to have to go take a look in his car. Yeah. Have we basically found everything we can in it, and there's uh, in that room, as far as we could tell. We mentioned last time that you guys were going to be very thorough in uh, in in the search. Right. So I said, you know, take okay. as long as you want. You essentially rented the room for the night. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, the proprietor Bobby Daigle left you alone after that so you can kind of search your heart's content. Yeah. So essentially the, the result of the hall was the four statues, the pawn shop receipt for the philosopher, philosopher's stone pawn, and the uh, the two receipts from the brew and the receipt from the shadow stacks. Okay. I, I would like I believe Jerry John Jerry mentioned it last time, but I would like to bring all of the statues with us. Um, perhaps wrapped in a towel. Something, something to keep them from banging into one another and breaking. Okay. There appeared to be. I say we'll all carry them down the street. Made out of uh, almost like pottery, you know, like. This. Right, you said ceramic, and they're about this this big, a couple feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. Fat or thin? Somewhat thin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the, the creature depicted was kind of pudgy. Um, Holding like a club, um, like in a loincloth, 
sort of droopy breasts. If you're like familiar a with like, yeah, somewhere between a troglodyte or if you imagine like like ancient iconography, like the like Venus of Willendorf or you know some of those old like there's it's kind of like a cross between a monster and you know icons of old. So is it very primitive or is it uh, the craftsmanship magnificent? You know. Yeah, the craftsmanship is the the craftsmanship. It, these look aged. Um, but they're they're well crafted. They don't look ancient. Okay, so they look uh, they look like somebody who really had some talent created them. Whatever they are. Um, yes, and and if you remember last time, you you did identify a, a mark on the bottom. Oh, that's right. What was that? I forget about that. Do you guys remember? We found a mark. Mark. Can you say what I said? A uh, symbol. Yeah, if you look on the if you look on the bottom, they're all marked with a YV. Oh, that's what this YV is here. Okay, YV. Well, um, let's let's head over to the car. See what we can find. So, Alicia, where's your your head at in all this? You kind of got swept into into a rising tide here of of kind of craziness out of nowhere. What you know? What's your take on on these people that you're with and all the the events of the last three days or so? Well, I mean, right now it's it's kind of intriguing. I mean, these people seem to believe. I mean, like I I know a bit about the occult, and um, so it's from a stuff that we practice is sort of a spiritual uh more of like a religious thing but kind of how um in modern day now where people go to church and they say they believe in god or whatever but they don't really have any real proof of it so i'm looking at it like all these you know everybody's bringing this stuff up and i'm like okay it's probably something similar to that like they say it's real but it may not be as real as you know people really believe it is Right. I mean, if that makes any sense. I'm just looking at it as like an alternative, like religious experience, I guess. Um, or spiritual experience. Yeah. I'm going to take a look at one of the statues again. While we're, maybe we're traveling. Uh, I'm going to look at the bottom again. Now, you said it's got a Y and a V. Mm-hmm. If I flip that upside down, they could be Greek letters. Lambda, lambda. Alara, uh, uh, since, I'm a, since I'm a linguistics professor. So, so I'll start searching, connect first with the Omega Moves to see if... Something... Yeah. Revenge of the Nerds reference there. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's just in the middle of writing that. <laughs> um, but I just, I just wanted to. Does it look like they're not quite the same kind of letter? But does now it look more like it could be Lambda, Lambda? <laughs> Well, that's that's up for you to decide. All right. Yeah. All right. So we are 
headed back to the French Quarter from the lakefront? Yeah. Okay. At this point, you, you guys ser- you searched a resort room for a long time, had dinner. It's it's late at this point. You know, probably probably around ten o'clock or so. Not super late, but it is dark. All right. Did um, we, we want to take a look in the car? Are there street lights? Yeah. I mean, how many people? How much? Yeah. Some foot traffic light. In the French Quarter, um, there would be definitely light coming from like the bars you know that like we before you kind of join the game Wayne you we just kind of set the the tone for the French Quarter which is that prohibition in the French Quarter of New Orleans is more of just a recommendation you know no nobody really follows it um drinking is just an open thing there are you know speakeasies there are you know establishments especially after dark that that serve alcohol the police are all on the take you know uh, off you know widely speaking they're all under protection of of gangs um like the marcellos and and the dice brothers mm-hmm. and uh so there's uh you know there's there's just pretty much open drinking um in the french quarter so there's there's music coming out of places you know if you go around royal street royal street's mostly galleries and and stuff but there's people definitely walking around just drinking openly um there are uh, just a lot of people on the streets. This is a, a major port city. So there's a lot of um, sailors. There's a lot of merchants, um, you know, just dock workers that are, you know, looking to spend their day wages. So the French Quarter is alive that night for sure. Okay. And, and there are lights. There's like gas lights. Or, or I guess it would be gas lights. It'd be electric lights. Well, John Jerry's a cop. So we're just going to pretend like we're getting the cop to help us open our car door. Right. So the Model A is still there on the road. There's people, you know, stumbling across the streets and on the sidewalks and laughing, carousing. Um, the the car is still there. It is still locked. All right. Okay. Um, finally get to use that billy club. <laughs> oh, it looks like I locked my keys in the car. I'm going to take, yep, smash the window. <laughs> Oops. All right. So as you, you take your billy club and smash the window, which, yeah. you know, it, it shatters like, like you expect it would. The towel falls out that's in it. Um, people walking by are like, whoa, you, you know, like, call the police about breaking into a car. And then they all start laughing because nobody the police. Yeah. <laughs> I am the police. Yeah, sure. Whatever you say, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's drunk. Nobody cares. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. John Jerry, what do you see? You got the flashlight. Okay, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start in one area at a time. Uh, try to take the towels down. Start with the driver's seat. Go to the front passenger seat and just work back. So, okay, as, as thorough as, as I can. So, once you break the window, you can unlock the car and, and gain access. No problem. There's um, a, there's a small suitcase and a duffel bag in the back seat. Ooh. Yeah, scrub those. There's um. Grab those. And then there is a um, there's a, a wrapped in wrapped in like brown paper wrapping or brown paper bag. There's a, 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 a some semi flat about a three by three foot item in there as well. Okay. Like a painting, maybe. Mm-hmm. You can't see it. It's you know you see right. something wrapped in brown paper. Like, like that size. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we take it? We'll take everything out. I don't want to open everything like right here on the spot. Right. No. Let's take it back um, to our uh, to a central. Take it back to Purdue's. Now it's, it's the middle of the dinner rush. Uh, yeah. At this point, Purdue's probably. Yeah, we don't want to bug close it. To close. <laughs> Actually, we're we're just down the street from from my shop. You can just take it to my shop. 
let's yeah. take it to uh i don't want to bring anything to the station after the those two dealing with those two clowns yeah. so. all right let's take this back to the what's the name of your shop again the rose noir the rose noir the black rose okay so you um yeah so you unlock the shop and you can go in turn on the light so is there anything else you want to do at the car before you before you leave well the car has um these cars had like a trunk area now yeah. i imagine that is it, is it more like a station wagon uh trunk where you can access it from the back seat or is it like you have to go out and sort of unlock it and open it up that way <laughs> yeah, it, it probably has like a little like hatch that would open up maybe like this way that you can okay. search. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are going to search some more and see if there's any compartments, let's go ahead and make uh, spot hidden rolls. Yeah. yeah. I can check the glove box as well. Okay. Oh, Ooh, 16. I, fa I failed again by like eight again. Okay. I failed by five. But... So. And I'm not going to because we might need it. All right. Well, Leon, did, did you pass? Yes. Okay. In 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 searching, it's it's dark, so it's kind of hard to find. You know, like when you when you're searching around, but you did find a, a crumpled up piece of paper under one of the seats. Okay. Uncrumple that piece of paper. Okay. Some more dinner receipts. Do you want to look at it now, or take it over yeah. to the shop, or okay? Well, I'll just I'll look at it under the. Okay. Once you uncrumple it, this is what you find. An order for forty-five cups of coffee. <laughs> this guy is just thirsty. Yolanda's pottery, quality artisan crafts, eleven thirty-seven Marais Street, Lower Ninth Ward, New Orleans. Invoice number 2145. Customer, Mr. M. Waitley. Uh, he's got a box number in Dunwich, uh, Massachusetts. Um, so he's picking this up. Five statues, aged reproductions. Brush order, $50 each. There's another $250 of his money. Oh, this man is, this man is rich. And yet, he treated these things as if they were just trash. You know, say fifty dollars each—that's a lot of money for. That's a fortune. Why would he need five of them? Specifically, five. And they're reproductions. Reproductions of what? Well, maybe that's why he he treated it like trash. If it's. You might have been looking for the genuine or original copy. Well, but he was purchasing reproductions. He can't get to the original. Mm -hmm. I can't. He's going to try to pass these off on as a as original. But he he just treated them like trash in his in his. Yeah. I am beginning to come up with a very bizarre and frightening idea. <laughs> based on all of the prejudices that I have towards these Waitleys and their bizarre predilections for the dark 
corners of the earth. What if he needed a particular kind of statue in order to affect one of his satanic rituals? And none of the, uh, none of the copies worked hmm. because they weren't right. I mean, that's, um, I, I probably wouldn't even need to roll an, an occult roll for that, but that sounds, sounds about right. Did you say that the, the mark on the bottom was YP or YV? V. Oh, so it's not Yolanda's Vottery. <laughs> What's Yolanda's it's last her. name? Oh, yeah, maybe it's her last name. Or it could be Yolanda's V something else. Do you guys want to catch Kim up real quick on uh, what we've done so far? Oh, there's this. She's been right behind us. She's been so quiet. <laughs> we uh, we're at the we we we're at the car. Uh, we found a suitcase and stuff. We're going to go back to uh, Alicia's shop and look through the stuff. But I found a piece of paper on the floor of the car, and I'm reading it. It's a receipt. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, this is interesting. Let's go back. Uh, must be picked up before closing on Thursday. What, what day is it today? Today would be Sunday. The, the, the murder was on Friday, September 10th. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on I think we're on Sunday now. Okay. All right. Well let's go back to the, the shop. All right. So we, we found a suitcase, a duffel bag, and uh, and you know essentially a, a wrapped in in brown plain brown wrapper, um, a three by three item. Make a um, make another spot hidden roll. All right, I I got a thirty-seven. Twenty-eight out of thirty out of out of forty. Nope, I missed mine by three. I failed mine by twenty-five. Anyone who, who passed uh, would notice that there is uh, also a smell of lilac. Now, is this the, this is September, so it's probably not the time for lilacs to be blooming. Um, perfume. So perfume, yeah. Yeah, ladies. You you, you 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 smell it on like the wrapper of the painting, or uh, not the painting, but you know whatever it is you're holding there, uh, the wrap the wrapping. It's right. like, like as the receipt did from the uh, uh, shadow stacks that you found. I mentioned that the, the shadow stack receipt had a, a faint smell of lilac. Faint smell of lilac, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I I was going to say that I was going to ask the question about the time of year at the time, but yeah, it seems like it's perfume. Uh, well, let's. Uh, do we find anything else in the, in the car? <clears throat> you don't find anything else in the car. It's going to check the glove box if, if the car has one. Yeah, you um, you found your spot hidden, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you didn't find anything else. <laughs> All right. I don't even find the glove box. <laughs> let's put a sign. If, the if anyone screen. wants to push the roll, you may find the. The, the wire connected to the bomb. Um, I was going to say we can put a sign in the window that says free car. 
He's dead. Free car. He's dead. Yeah. Um, new car. It'll be set on fire by the morning. Just for the fun of it. Oh, you meant by somebody else. Where's the fun in that? Um, let's head on over to uh, La Rose Noir and take a look at the what's in the suitcase. You know, quick question. Was there a spare uh, set of keys there? You didn't find anything else. Okay. You know, maybe some, maybe some, like, um, maybe some food wrappers. You know, the, the hotel room was a little bit of a mess, and you've been in somebody's car probably that just, when they're done with something, just throws whatever they have on the floor. So there was kind of, like, debris and trash in the, uh, in the car, but. You know, if you, if you find like like crumpled up papers and open them up, nothing of consequence other than what you found. Okay. Um, so yeah, I to answer a previous question of yours, uh, he's one of the them Waitleys. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't set the car on fire. You might burn the whole French Quarter down again. Mm. <clears throat> All I right. Got so. repair. We can yeah. start it. Anybody? I'm sorry, what was that, Ken? So anybody got electrical repair? You can jump start the car. You can probably jump start. Yeah, it probably wouldn't take much for an old. Oh, old wait a minute. Aren't these cars like a stick shift? Yeah, yeah. they would be. Yeah, I don't think there's any automatics. So, all you really push backwards. It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably. Do we need an extra car? Well, who doesn't want a free car? Oh, why not? Well, what, what, what do you think, John Jerry? This is your case. This, in, in, this is evidence. Are you having any kind of moral dilemma around how you're, you're handling all this evidence? Uh, no, um, it's gone. It's gone beyond the the line of being. I was going to say above board. Yeah, like a supernatural sort of thing. So obviously. I can't even trust my own coworkers on this. So, so. I was going to say we can strip everything out of the car and just leave the car here. I don't see any reason why. Well, we've got everything that we need. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are like one step away from taking rims. <laughs> I say just leave the car. If we're driving around with this, I don't know. I think it just. Puts we can have an impound later. I think impounding here to just bring it to the scrap area. Scrap it. Just give it to their kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the kids can live in it. Yeah. Well, people. Now that you've broke the window, there are definitely people uh, eyeing the car. You know, to see what happens next. And yeah. it'll be gone by morning. <laughs> Probably cursed, anyhow. Yeah, I got the coast. The ghost of Mordecai Waitley. Hanging around looking for his car. Where's my car? All right, let's let's get over to the. I want to see what's in the suitcase. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's let's head head to my shop. <clears throat> All right. So uh, as once we get over to the shop and we kind of lay everything down, what what do you want to what do you want to look at first? I'm curious to look at the picture. You say it's wrapped in paper. Mm-hmm. Kind of like lilac like scented brown paper. I was once warned by my distant cousin, uh, Jean de Pantaloon, uh, not to look at any strange pictures, but uh, 
I'm going to look at the picture. Okay. Can I can I unwrap it without ripping the paper? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, this is definitely fits the bill of a strange painting that you know it, it is a painting. It's a three by three foot um, stretch canvas. And uh, when you guys look at this thing, you've never seen anything like this. What you see is uh, there's some figures, well, maybe in Hieronymus box. Um, there are some figures in the painting, like male and female nude figures that are wearing like half, they're wearing like face masks or, or half like carnival masks of, of different animals. So there's like, there's a woman with like a, a pig mask on and a man with like a donkey, a donkey mask and another one with a tiger mask and they're all they're all naked and and writhing on each other um and if you look at it more they're um they're, it's like they're, they're having an orgy on on what looks at first to be like a giant bed but then as you look at it closer and you're definitely kind of being drawn into this painting a little bit like you're you know a lot of your instinct is telling you like it's instantly revolting and you should look away but there's also something that's kind of like drawing you in. So it almost seems like it's getting closer to you as you look at it. It looks like they're having an orgy on what at first appears to be a, a, a giant bed, but then you notice that the bed is, is like covered with like male and female genitals, like lactating breasts, um, groping hands that are coming up out of the thing, like holding on to the people. Uh, it is uh, horrifying and, and uh, we should do a sanity roll. Got a sixty. I got twenty-two. Ninety-six. I grew up around the Kama Sutra. This is nothing. I got a seventy-eight. All right. If you if you fail, take. Oh, I fail. If you pass, uh, you don't have to take any damage. Two points, you said. If you fail. No, if you um, do, if you examine the painting further, and you finally are able to actually like break away from it and turn it around, you see there is a wood frame that the canvas is stretched around, and then written in like, like gold in gold, um, it says the, the rapture of the debase. So this is the third thing that he bought. Oh my goodness! Sorry. Say that again, Greg. Sorry. Uh, what store did he buy the paintings from again? The, the secret. The. The shadow stacks. Book. The shadow stacks. Okay. Now, um, Rose, Rose. Now that you're here, why don't you also make a, a cult roll? Is this a an oil painting? Yes. Fifty-four. No, we missed it by three. No, okay. Is there a signature on the on the <clears throat> No, there's no artist signature. It's mm. very well done. I must say that woman's breast that looks quite real. Yeah, it kind of it, it, it's it's it kind of reminds you, you know, if you've if you've seen paintings by Hieronymus Bosch, you know, the um you know, very surreal, but definitely even more profane than, than anything that Bosque ever did. Has that kind of nightmarish aspect like uh, Titian or, uh, yeah, Hieronymus yeah. Bosch. Well, my goodness. 
And 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 what else do we have here? Let's open up his suitcase. The suitcase Mom has. Still looking for books. The, the suitcase has <clears throat> just clothes. Um, so the, the books are not present. Well, you also had a duffel, and if you open up the duffel, you find. Um, when you open up the duffel, uh, you are greeted by the smell of lilac again. And let's see, you find um, two two more wrapped items that you presume to be the books by their by their shape and their heft, and um, and also what looks to be like a large flask. I will rip open one of the books. I will. Um, carefully, my dear, carefully. I, I will uh, open up the, the flask and give it a uh, sniff. I'll hold it uh, at, at some distance from my toes. I don't you know, want to be assaulted by something that might knock me out, but just want to give it a... <clears throat> Inhale the genie. When you, uh, when you well, when you can do that. When you lift the flask, the first thing you notice is that it's um, uncharacteristically large and heavy. Um, compared to flasks that you've seen before. How, how big is the flask? Um, is it just like a basic size or? Big, bigger than a, a normal size flask by probably okay. about a, a half. And, uh, and when you uh, unscrew the lid, there is a little bit of liquid in it, but it feels kind of off balance. Now, as you're, as you're inspecting that, Rose, when you pull the paper off one of the, um, one of the books, your, your eyes go huge because what you see now is something that like, is you're not really sure exactly at first what you're holding, but you know it is like exactly the kind of thing that you have been in pursuit of. Um, it's a book that's like just a quality that you see. It is a it is a modern printing, but it is of exquisite quality, and it is embossed with gold leaf revelations of holly. H A L I. Look at you! I'm stroking it. Oh my God! Look at you. You have there. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, my God, isn't it beautiful? <laughs> well, certainly it's of a high quality, but uh, what is it? Is it in English? I open it up. I open up the first page. You open up the first page and you see, um, again, it, it's, it's printed. It's not handwritten. It says Revelations of uh, Holly, um, English printing, and it says... Um, Golden Goblin Press, New York City. We found it. No relation of Holly. <laughs> Why well, I, I don't understand why you're so excited. It's just a book. Oh, I've been after this. Oh my god. I have to write my uncle. So what do you know about this book? What is the revelations of Holly? I actually don't know as a as a player. Um Kiefer, what do I know about this? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you can roll a cult. You know, it, this might be the thing that you've like maybe heard whispers of or or rumors of. I would say roll a cult to see if you even know the title. Um, okay. And, and have ever like heard a rumor about it? Can I can I do the same? Or how about library use? Library use wouldn't get it done. Yeah, this okay. isn't like um, you know, this isn't like um. I got a 21 out of uh, 17, so that's Jeez, I missed it by four this time. 
Okay, and uh, Alicia, you said you uh, passed by four. I Okay, that in your in your travels, you have heard this title before. You don't really know much about it, other than it's like been whispered about as sort of a um, a quote, you know, forbidden book. Uh, okay. That that maybe you know witches would use. You don't know for what, um, but you you have heard heard the name. Rose, you, you might not know exactly like what this book is or, or have heard of it, but you know, given the circumstances, you know, you, you know you've got something special here that's uh, definitely of seriously occult nature. Hi, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, good evening, guys. I'm typing to you, Josh. What what happened so far? Now, thank Alicia, you. Yeah, Alicia, why don't you also do a, a spot hidden? All right, that is a 48 out of 65. Okay. As you continue to, you know, you, you get distracted for a minute, you know, to see what, what Rose has. And as you go back to inspecting the flask, you see that on the front of it near the bottom or about a third way down, because like I said, it's a larger flask than, you know, just a, somebody would carry around as a hip flask. There's a hole in it and there's a compartment on the back. There's like a little, a little latch that, you know, presumably could open up a, a compartment on the back of the flask. All right, I'll, I'll take a look at that. I'll try to figure out how to open it. And you, you can. There's like a little latch and a metal door on the back of the flask or a little, you know, that opens up. And you were very surprised to see there's what looks like a camera in there. Huh. A small camera, maybe the, the, the smallest camera you've, you've seen. Uh, so what, this big? Does this camera have film in it? Or like, a, I guess a film, a, a roll of film that's been used or, or something? Do you want to try and remove it, the, the, the camera from the compartment? Yeah. Do I, what do I need to roll for that? You don't have to roll anything for it. You can, you can pop it out um, and you can open up the camera and, uh, and it, uh, it does not have any film. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Uh, what I know of um, maybe the size film that this camera would take. I mean, it, it could be useful. If you're if you're very familiar with cameras, maybe or any of the uh, rest of you. I, I'm not, but maybe I'll take it to um, to a shop or something. Let's see if they can. Uh... It's probably a brownie, yeah. Well. Aren't brownies uh, bigger than this? It's it's this actually looks like it's, it's, uh, been custom made, right? Maybe I mean it's the, the flask. Like I said, was was very large. Yeah, you know? not something that would like that you could. It's something you could like carry around, but not like almost like close to the size of a canteen, but but shaped like a flask. You know. Hmm. Okay. So not not something that would fit in in, in your hip pocket. Uh, I'm sorry. I must have missed something. The flask is not a flask. It's a camera. The flask was a flask with a compartment on the bottom of it. You know, I, I mentioned that it was larger than a normal flask. I see. I see. And the compartment was and a camera. It felt unbalanced. Mm -hmm. When Alicia picked it up, she like there was a little bit of liquid in it, which does smell like whiskey. You know, just kind of at the bottom. It's not full or anything. But she noticed it felt off, heavy off balance. And it, on further inspection, she found that saw a hole in the front and a compartment on the back. So, 
It's a camera that was meant to be concealed so that nobody would know that it was a camera. Yeah? Right. But there's no film, so you don't have any, any idea of what might have been taken, what sort of pictures might have been taken prior to us finding this. So. But what does it tell us about about him? He, he was he a, he was either a spy or a blackmailer. Because hmm. why else would you have such a thing? Unless he was taken. Wait a moment. We have a painting with some rather erotic pictures on it. We have him visiting prostitutes with a flask with a hidden camera. He's a pervert. He's a goddamn pervert. That's what he is. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? He's a damn pervert. Now, he's probably sent that, that film off to be developed. <clears throat> Some poor boy working in a dark room is going to develop that picture and suddenly find that he's looking right into the boobies of some floozy. He's going to have himself a heart attack right there in the dark room. Or just stay in the dark room for a while. Yeah, he'll have a heart attack. Well, at least probably we know something. You said heart, right? Probably about heart. three minutes. Heart attack, right, right. That's what you said? That's a hard attack. He said a hard attack. <laughs> yeah. I apologize for that, people. One could consider that he takes the pictures and then he can drink himself a stiff one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This man's a pervert. He's a weightly. He's a pervert. <laughs> and surely what's in that flask can make the blood rush to your head. Have any, has anybody right. seen what it is? Tasted it? Anybody got chemistry? Not me. Not. Mm. We'll carry around chemistry things. Hey, let me have it. Let me taste it. Oh, you don't need chemistry to know it. It tastes like uh, like whiskey. If you take, if you do taste it. Is that like bourbon? Yeah, it's it's yeah. bourbon. It's whiskey. So we found um, we found a suitcase full of clothing. We looked at the painting. Um, is it his clothing? Or is it man's clothing? Yeah, presumably, yeah. It, it's not women's, women's, women's clothing. Um, we found a, a, a painting that was incredibly uh, uh, disturbing and obscene, and everyone who looked at it had the royal sanity. Yeah. Might take that back to my office at the university and hang it on the wall. You wouldn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That would not bode well for your tenure, Professor. Um, and uh, and so far we've opened one of the the two lilac scented books that were in the uh, duffel bag. Uh, I see the other one. Now this lilac scent on things—that's forgive my language. It's kind of hoary, isn't it? Like you know, I kind of I I have no experience whatsoever with prostitutes, but I imagine they're spraying perfume all over the place. So what the hell's going on here? These things have, have perfume on them. We're looking for something occult, but what if this is just uh, sexual perversion? What if he's just a freakazoid? Oh, I don't think that'd be both. In the language. Freakazoid. 
Uh, these the, say, why would he be buying the statues, spending all spending all this money? Well, maybe he's never had a girlfriend. Uh, the statues. Now that now that I'm thinking, looking back and thinking on them, could they be like some sort of fer- fertility? Uh, fertility ritual god thing that uh, he's praying for an erection. When I when I did mention that, like when I was trying to describe the statue, and I said it was a cross between like a creature and something like Venus of Wollendorf. That that is kind of what I was thinking of, where like those old like fertility icons, you know, just based on like um, right, you know, the the depiction of the breast on the statue and. That you know it was kind of pudgy. Yeah, that thing is that, exaggerated. Yeah, the, the pregnancy and yeah, okay. So that yeah, it's some sort of fertility deity. But it was it, I mean, it was holding a weapon as well. It was called kind of like a club. Because um, well, you better be nice to her. Yeah. Whack you. <laughs> um. So what do we know now? We know that Mordecai was a freak. How did he break his ankles? Did somebody catch him with this stuff and break his ankles? How about that idea? Or something was falling. Wouldn't you break his nose? Or like his break his face? Certainly Why would you go for the ankles? Certainly something could have pushed him out uh, out the window and he could have jumped if he was frightened for some reason. We said it couldn't even jumped off the roof. Even the roof, it would have only been, what, 20 feet? Oh, he could break his ankle. Maybe. He could definitely hurt his ankles. But both ankles at once? And he dragged himself down. Now, that's another thing. Did he drag himself or did the animal drag him? Because with broken ankles. You know, here's something else that we haven't really looked into. Did nobody hear this? Should we go back to that neighborhood and ask anyone within 100 yards? Well, you know, maybe not outright ask people at first. Maybe we go to, uh, you know, we go go into town and uh, maybe go to a place of, of, you know, where people are gathering for drinks or whatever and just keep our ears open to see if anybody or listen to uh, see if anybody's uh, talking about him. I mean, we can sort of eaves- eavesdrop, and uh, would it be easier just to ask? Well, I mean, did you hear the streaming? Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, we can outright ask, but then who knows? Um, whoever might have done this to him might be out there listening, and if we're poking our heads. Well, they would have heard us because when it happened, it was around, I thought it was around four or five in the morning. And from. Yeah, because when Remy and I found it, it was around six. You guys were coming we're out starting to gather. Around, around summer. Yeah. We left Mr. Mr. Uh, Lagrasse and uh, the other guy, uh, Etienne, um, about 11 o'clock, right? That, that the previous night that 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 evening yeah you were at the you you went into the wax museum at at 10 o'clock remember that was the rendezvous right. uh talked for explored 
the museum as you were looking for them, talked to them for a while in front of the exhibit. And then uh, after that, felt like you needed a stiff drink and you all went to Remy's place. Right. And then we went home and then you guys left later. Right. And you left, you say about five o'clock. So the murder took place between somewhere around, probably around three o'clock in the morning. Are these the only two street walkers in the town? There's probably got to be other street walkers. Some of the, some of the Belenoui must have uh, heard something. They might be afraid to tell anybody, sure. but if we ask them directly. Well, it's, I mean, let's go out and, and see what we can see. Hmm. Miss Noble, you're going to keep those books safe? Of course. Look who you're talking to. And by the way, what was that second book? The second book was, was very similar to the first as far as the appearance. Again, pristinely bound, um, gold embossing. Um, uh, that said, it, it, when you open the second one, it said, um, uh, Unspeakable Cults. Again, flip into that first page, published by Golden Goblin Press, New York City. Who was the author? There's no, there's no author listed. So two books by Golden Goblin Press. No author listed on either one. Yeah, and they're and they're they're dense books. You know, they're. Um, the, the unspeakable cults, there's actually um, parts of it, like if you just thumb through it, you'll see English, you'll see German, you'll see some other languages in there as well. Oh, German. But it, but it is printed. It's not like a handwritten manuscript or anything like that. Okay. They're, 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 they're substantial books. I've got about a 35% in German. Now, am I, have I heard of Golden Goblin Press before? <clears throat> am I familiar with them? No. Hmm. I wonder if we shouldn't look them up. What else might they have? Well, it's going to say we have Golden Goblin Press. Then we actually have the other place that we've got to try to find. So I should be able to find some information down at the precinct. So Mr. Waitley came here with five gold coins that were rare probably something from his ancestors' pirate loot. They're dirty, stinking pirates. And uh, he sold those five coins, which were apparently impressed the, uh, the pawn shop dealer. We can talk to him, too. Enough to pay him $700. That's a that. lot of money. And then he took the $700 and he bought himself two books and a perverted painting. He bought some people. He had coffee and pastries with, can we assume these people, or perhaps the whores, and, uh, oh, it's very confusing. And, uh, and then that night, they were attacked by something in the street and it uh, killed them all. 
you also found that he spent a, in addition to the receipt from the shadow stacks, you found that he spent a substantial portion of that money on five statues commissioned. To $250 on the statues, which he got from Yolanda's pottery, I believe. So we've got Yolanda's pottery. Got to check that place out. Find out what these things are because she should probably know they're reproductions of something. Make a uh, make an idea roll. Eight. Wow. Thought it was eighty at first, but it's double zero eight. That is a critical. Anyone else? So, as the person who got the critical. Eleven. Right. Is that a... Uh, I got a six. So as you guys are talking through this and kind of going over, like, you're, lay, you're laying out the receipts and you're, you're looking at everything again and kind of taking inventory of who you've talked to and what you know and trying to trace the sequence of events and who you haven't talked to yet and who you could talk to and you're kind of reviewing everything. Like, okay, we spent, you know, or, you know, trying to, trying to find where, you know, okay, Whitley got... He had this much gold coins. He got this much money for it. He spent this much on books. He spent this much on a painting. He spent this much on five statues. How many statues do we have? We only have four statues. One of them. Where's number five? So much for basic math. My goodness. He bought five statues, and we only have four statues. If my previous theory is correct, one of them worked. And once he had that erection, he went immediately to the Hall of Prostitutes and found himself (laughs) a prostitute. Rose, um, I want to go back to your question from a minute ago, Rose, about Golden Goblin. Make a... Make either a, you, here, this is where you could do a, either a library use or, or maybe an occult role. My library's better. 40. Yeah, made that. As a book hound and um, as somebody who searches around these kind of books in particular, you know a lot of times that these, these kind of anonymous presses will pop up, put out these books. Sometimes they'll disappear and then come back somewhere else because these, like, and that's why you don't actually find like any, any people's names as far as like, um, uh, like editor at, at, you know, editor in chief of, of this press. A lot of, because some of the stuff they publish is so distasteful, controversial, and sometimes outright satanic, you know, they don't want to attract negative attention. So they, they kind of sometimes do this anonymously. So publishers, very small presses typically that, that, that put out these kind of books, a lot of times they, you know, they'll, They'll come up, they'll put out a run, make their money selling to like kind of esoteric bookstores and stuff like that. And then they'll kind of disappear, pop up again somewhere else. They don't want to stay in one place too long or, or attract too much attention to themselves. So when, when you asked if you had heard of this one, uh, I would say, no, you probably haven't heard of, of this particular one. Um, but the thing that's different about these is they are, um, you know, typically a higher quality than you would find it in modern, than modern printings of these kind of books, hence the exorbitant price tag for this time okay yeah i will relay that to my my friends here so they're rare in the sense that they are of very limited production 
Sounds like it, yeah. Like a Gutenberg Bible. Hmm. Well, gentlemen, what shall we do next? At this point, it's probably close to the end of the day. Remember, we're already at well after That's dinner. True. That's true. Well, I'm going to retire to my my place with with my books. Oh, uh, would you mind, my dear, if uh, if I borrowed the German one and you have the English one, and I'll return that to you in the morning. Um, okay. Uh, shall we meet at Purdue's for brunch? Sounds good. I'm just stroking the cover of, of the other one here. All right. And I reluctantly hand the other one to you. So I'm going to take Unash Brecklich and Kulten. And uh, she can have yeah, the... Yeah, we read all about the revelations of Holly. It's all about the comet. Whoever that may be. Haley's Comet. <laughs> And this is totally what I would do in real life with something like this. My, my, my. I would hold it with uh, gloved hands. All right. Yes. <laughs> so I've got the one book she's got together, and we're all, I guess we're all going to retire unless you guys want to do something else. Remy, what's your, what's your take on kind of what you're seeing here? No, I think, uh, you know, at, at this point, the best we can do is to take a look at, you know, what the translation of the books are and then potentially follow up with either Yolanda or, you know, some of these other folks that have sold Mordecai some of these, you know, services at this point. The pawn shop seems, where the hell does he pay $700? That's a fortune. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like maybe either the the woman that sculpted these statues had some insight or, you know, another one of these vendors might have some indication of what Mordecai was after. They've got to be more involved than just some pottery barn girl and some pawn shop guy. We've got to be careful because those people might be more involved than we think you know great walk in with one of those statues go my statue is broken do you have another <laughs> well they're all custom right i mean they're all they're all very similar in some way uh question of the gm i guess uh they're they're all very similar yeah yeah it came up again it, it, we did another inspection they're all pretty similar there are definitely like um, you know, of really well-crafted quality. Um, there was the, the mark, the YV on the bottom. Um, there are, like, un imperfections. One of them has, like, the tip of the club broken off. Right. Um, and then, you know, there, there's some variations. You know, clearly they were, they were handmade, hence the variations. You know, they're all depicting and, and were, you know, depicting the same image and are trying to be, like, like a series. The, the, the pose and posture of the creature are the same um you, you you know if you study it hard enough you can definitely find imperfections josh were you here earlier for my speculation about the statues no i was not what i thought was since the the four statues were sort of strewn around the room two were in the garbage and he paid fifty dollars a pop 
for those. That's a fortune. Right. The only explanation I could come up with was if he's into the occult, and these are all labeled on the receipt as reproductions. So I thought if they're reproductions, he can't get to the original. So he needs a reproduction. And the four others didn't work. Because the fifth he, one did. Because he was looking for a very specific type magical of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you believe in that magic stuff, but <laughs> at the same time, it's the only thing I could think of that why did he just throw these away? Right. But Unless we're we're still short. Right. We're still short one, which means short that at one. least at least one might have mean something to him. One must have worked. Well, we do have four victims and one creature. Yeah. That's true. And one statue that definitely worked. But it seems to have worked. Seems to have worked. Or maybe it didn't work. And that's why they're all Or dead. maybe it went horribly wrong. Yeah, not the way he intended, necessarily. Because nobody intends to get their ankles broken and thrown out a window. <laughs> <laughs> or their arm ripped off, or... You know, or completely disemboweled. I was about right. to say to be completely disemboweled is not the intent. <laughs> but I paid fifty dollars. Hey, <laughs> eating me. Um, I thought we were friends. All right, so um, for maybe a couple of hours before I go to sleep, I'm going to thumb through the book and read some of it, especially whatever is written in German. Yeah. So there's parts of this that are that are written in different languages, um, but it, but it all, like I said, it's all printed. And th- this stuff is dense, you know, like you can definitely, it's the kind of thing where you ever read a book where you read three pages and then realize you have no idea what you just read and have to go back and like actually focus and read it again. Um, b- both of these yeah, books are like- called textbooks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, or- um, you know, it's like when I read George Eliot or something like that. It's uh, it's it's really de- or you know, or the Cimmerillion. Yeah, Absalom, Absalom by Faulkner. Um, so you know, it's gonna, it's you definitely, it's it's gonna take you some time to penetrate this and and figure out what is what is being said here. But it, it's it's weird. I feel like I have some sort of a mental disorder. Like uh, I don't know. Uh, I seem to have a deficit in my attention span. Somebody, somebody will name a disorder about that. Uh, all right, but after I after I read what I do, I probably find some of it disturbing. From what you can actually decipher and make sense out of. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go to bed. You, you, but it definitely, but it definitely does intrigue you both. Like if you're spending time with these books, it is you definitely get the sense of like you're on to something. You know, um, especially given the the recent all the recent stuff you've been through, you get the sense of maybe there's some finally some answers here that you're getting, um, but you're just not sure what it is. So you actually have a, a hard time sleeping because you kind of want to go back to it and you want to keep reading, even though it's it's it becomes more frustrating to do so. But you do feel like maybe there's a some kind of key that you can turn if you read enough of this that'll start to explain what you've been through and what you're going through and what you have yet to go through. Right. One more chapter. One more chapter. 
Damn it. No, I'm going to force oh. myself to go to sleep after I say my prayers. All right. So next day we, uh, we meet at, at Pardue's. Chef is happy to see you guys and says, ah, you, you all look like you haven't been sleeping. And he says, well, Miss, Miss Martinez, nice to, nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. And he says, he says, do, he says, do I even dare ask what, what you're all working on? Like, you can see that Chef wants to, you know, you, you can almost see, like, Chef is torn. He wants to engage and, and kind of, you know, there's part of him that is curious and wants to find out what you guys are working on. But at the same time is, you know, every instinct is telling him to stay far, far away from you guys. Um, well, as far as Yeah, how much time do you have, Chef? <laughs> if, if he's asking, we probably we're here every day for breakfast. We'd probably rather gleefully tell him some of the details of, until yeah. he says, "All right, that's it. I don't want to know." Look at this thing. Away. Look at it. Isn't it beautiful? Uh, do, do you have the book with you? Yes. Uh, as soon as it, he sees, I mean, that, I'll is it is it a size that I could carry it in my purse? You could carry it in like a satchel or something like that. Okay, yeah, then I'm carrying it with me, and I'm reading it at, like, idle moments. Uh, as soon as he sees a book, he's out. He's like, okay, he's like, well, it's great, great, great to see you all, and um, I, we'll be bringing by uh, some, some shrimp and grits. Oh, that was, okay. a, that was a strange reaction to a book. Um, our friend, Mr. Pardue, has been on many adventures with us in which he was severely injured, so he's a little skittish. Um, but he is a good man. Him. He's a very good man. But skittish? Yeah. Well, me. perhaps over breakfast we relate some of the bizarre goings-on in the past few months with a hungry ghost pirate, a Catholic schoolgirl, and a, and a voodoo Killer priest, snakes. and a, a, a zombie attack, and, and Pardue's restaurant getting b- b- blasted with machine guns <laughs> and salt flying everywhere. <laughs> Although, Alicia, you probably have heard of some of this. If you've been around. Some of it was in the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, this might have happened before you came back to town, but um, she's probably looking at us like, oh, come on. It's true. It's true. That's why we're here. That's why we're in the Green Crescent now. So, um, yeah, you know, normally Chef kind of always brings over the food himself, but after kind of hearing a little bit about what you had to say this morning, seeing some you guys play with some weird books, um, he's going to have one of the uh, staff bring over your food and everything. He's, he's not reapproaching today. Well, uh, I've got a few interesting things to say about the book that I, that I perused last night. I get the distinct impression that uh, it is somewhat truncated. It is not a complete translation of the original. Um, that Hence, there's bits of it in German and bits of it in English. Uh, I was able to discern it was written by Friedrich von Juntz, whoever that is, uh, and that this edition, this Golden Goblin edition, is 1909. Uh, I don't know when the original was written. I'd have to research that at the library, but it's quite disturbing. Mm. Though somewhat insightful. I I had to read and reread 
and reread again in order to even grasp one. I found the same problem. Yeah. It's frustrating. I get the impression these were written by people who are somewhat insane. They're trying to make us insane. You it's, doubt like that? Doing a ma- it's like, yes, it's like doing a math problem that you have no idea how to do the math. Exactly. You don't even know the rules. <sighs> well, I'm, I'm not sure. I, uh, with your permission, I would like to continue trying to decipher it, but uh, I, I am both reluctant and uh-huh. intrigued. Well, perhaps I can lend my assistance. How's your German? Not my, Not with German. The other book. Ah. With oh, uh, the, the Hawaiian book. If you want to try it, here you go. Alright. I'll give it a look. So, where shall we go today? By, by the way, who's got the rapture of the debase? The, the painting. I don't think we just cited that. Is it maybe left behind in the shop? Yeah, maybe we'll say that it's still at La, La, La Rose Noir. Sure, but I'll, I'll stash it somewhere yeah. out of sight. Maybe in a safe? I don't... Well, my, well, my, I, yeah, I guess my family would have a safe. Is it, is it in a frame? Like a big wooden frame? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, he said it was a wooden frame, didn't it? So it's, it was, just, it's just a bare canvas stretched. Yeah. 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 I, was gonna, I was hoping that it was in a frame because then we could see if there's a signature that's hidden under the frame. But, mm-hmm. Oh, no signature on it. Damn. All right. Well. Well, we have that pottery shop we can try. And then the there's pottery that. Shop, and we the can try. Should we start on the... I was going to say, should we start in the pawn shop first? Well, whichever one's closer to our location. Because yeah. we never found out where the actual, the address for the pottery shop and that other uh, shop that was the invite-only one as well. I can only think that the pawn shop fellow would have... Well, I think he'd be shady enough to, to point us in the direction of those other two. Once again, what do we know? We know that he accepted these five coins for $700. That means that, one, he knew they were valuable. He knew they were worth it. He knew they were worth quite a bit more than that because they never pay you what they're worth. Um, He had on the receipt listed a date, September 21st, when Mr. Mordecai could pick them up if he was willing to pay to retrieve them because it's like a loan. So because that's actually written out, I think that Mordecai did intend on retrieving those coins eventually. With what though? Well, that's He spent almost all his money. He must have known that he was going to be in for more money, maybe blackmailing somebody with his little dirty pictures. Hmm. It's not a bad point. I mean, particularly since um, you know we haven't looked into the other people. How about the other guy that was murdered? Who is he? It was the the poet guy. 
Well, he's a poet, then he wasn't rich. He wasn't filthy rich. No, he wasn't a prostitute either. Yeah, the prostitutes don't have that kind of money. So he wasn't blackmailing any of them, I don't think. Could they have been in a cult together? We don't we don't know if the people he was having we can go out we can go to the diner too and see if they saw who Mr. Mordecai was with, whether he was there at least twice, possibly more. Possibly he ate there every day. Had coffee with these people. We got two days in a row, but that just means those are the two receipts that we found. What if we try hunting down that film that was in that camera? How are we going to do that? See if anybody might have developed it. Well, where would you where would you take it to be developed? Maybe somebody's got them. Well, we don't know what kind of film it was. If it was the kind that you put into a brownie, you have to send it to a a, a place, and then they develop it and send it back to you. Um, unless there's a photographer in town somewhere who had the ability to do it. But we could try. We could see if there's a photographer. Maybe there's a photographer, portrait photographer, somebody like that. We can bring the camera with us and see if he knows what kind of film fit in it. Okay. Or do would pharmacies do that? No. Okay. I don't even think you had pharmacies like that. You have you have apothecaries. You have you have pharmacies, but you would have had pharmacies. All they did was drugs. They weren't like drug stores. I don't think they had drug stores yet. They had drugs. Mm. They had so well. They didn't even. This isn't even soda fountain time. Soda fountain times a little way, maybe in the fifties. <laughs> um. Well, so let's do that. Let's, let's, is there, you know, it's so funny because we're used to this modern times. We could map out where we're going to go first based on the location, but do we have a way to do that using the, the yellow pages maybe? Well, you have, you have addresses for, you, you, I mean, you, you know the city at this point enough to know the addresses that you have. Um, essentially, there's, you guys are kicking around a lot of ideas, which is great. Uh, but there are three places that you actually know where they are. You are um, you're uptown right now at Pardue's restaurant. Right, let me let's go to the map, and I'll kind of show you relatively where where everything is. The pawn shop guy might know about the cameras. Okay, so right now you guys are. Um, you're by the university area. Remember, Pardue's restaurant is just a few blocks down from Tulane. Um, so you're uptown right now uh, right. By, the uni- by the university area. Um, the the brew is so I want to the brew again. It's it is a, a well known. It's kind of right in the middle of the French Quarter, 808 Bourbon Street, um, and uh, like Rose, you definitely would have been there. Um, uh, it's Remy. You would know the owner, Santos. Like he, he um, does a lot of like charity work around the French Quarter. He's like, you know, r- like rallies different business owners and stuff like that. Um, and and you definitely would have stopped there for coffee. Coming out, they open up at you know six seven a.m. So around the time that you're closing up the speakeasy, you might stop in there for coffee if you're not going straight home. 
uh, Alicia, you would definitely know, you know, just from, uh, imagine the shop where you worked as just, a, you know, coffee house a couple blocks down, you would definitely know it. Everybody in the fr- who works in the French Quarter frequents that as part of the Bohemian set, like, like Roses, um, would know, you know, Santos and, and the, the, they just call it the brew. Um, so you know where that place is in the French Quarter. Um, the pottery shop is in Algiers. So uh, if you take the ferry from the French Quarter, you see you see the point of the river and like the the crescent uh, right side. It's, a, it's across the river from the from the French Quarter. Yeah. Yep, that's the the neighborhood where I grew up. Um, Algiers uh, Point, again, kind of a you know separate from New Orleans, but but coming into its own, that's where the pawn shop is. And then the pottery shop is in the lower ninth ward. Uh, while you make your way down there, Remy, you can stop and give your life savings to Mother Santiago uh, for those uh, church renovations that you promised. Um, so that is going to be... No, wait, ninth ward would be south of there? Ninth ward would be still on the same side of the river that you're on now, but down by like uh, kind of that... that Saint Roche area. I'm sorry, kind of where? You see, um, up up into the right from the French Quarter, oh, Saint Roche. Yeah. yeah, that would be around the area where like the uh, the Ninth Ward is. Okay. Uh, and where uh, the the church where where you went to meet Mother Santiago previously is. Well, I'm certainly willing to go down and talk to my friend Santos. Uh, talk to him a little bit about anything he's seen in this in this area well let's do that let's head to the french quarter and then over to algiers french quarter saint roche then algiers what do you think yeah that's the plan i guess i'll stand together yeah okay yeah All right, where are we headed first? Uh, the brew. Over to the brew. All right, so you, you go into the brew. Um, you know, you, it takes you a little while. You can ride the, the streetcar trolley back down to, uh, from uptown in the Garden District to uh, back to the, you know, the French Quarter, essentially, down at the end of Canal Street, walk down the moonwalk along the Mississippi River, cut through Jackson Square by the cathedral, and now you're back uh, in the heart of the French Quarter. Um, and Bourbon Street. So, um, you know, as you go into the brew, um, it smells delicious. Um, there's there's coffee brewing, and you guys just, you know, came from brunch, so you might not be too hungry, um, but you know the, uh, you know, the coffee smells great. Um, there's people in there also having brunch or, um, or you know, writing in journals or drawing. Um, there's, um, you know, just tourists who are you know, getting pastries. There's Santos is serving up, uh, and he, he's there. He's like, you know, kind of working the counter and bringing out coffee to people. Uh, Santos, if Remy, you would know him, you know, just again as a local business owner. He's like a uh, he lives upstairs from the place. He is a uh, like a second generation Spanish immigrant, um, and just you know, real nice guy from what you can tell. Does a lot of a lot of good work around the quarter. So I'll greet him as you know. I guess I would expect to greet him, right? Like. You know, Santos, my old friend, you know, how's it going? And I'll try and give him a hug, right? Remy, how you doing, my friend? Let me uh, put this uh, put this coffee down. And he's holding the tray of coffees and he puts it down on a table and, you know, accepts your man hug. <laughs> <laughs> how, how you been doing, man? How's, how's business over at the barrel? No. 
business, you know, outstanding. Uh, you know, we're doing we're doing very well, and I would accept, uh, especially, you know, ex- extend to him how how well I feel about the surroundings. Right, you know that business seems to be good, and you know, just kind of make small talk about business for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are uh, these are uh, cops and uh, these are uh, dice brothers. They leaving you alone. Eh, you know, it's not it's not too bad, but uh, we all make our payments and you know, kind of again make make a bit of business small talk, but then try and get into the heart of the matter. I I, I hear you there, my friend. So uh, we're looking a bit into a man named Mordecai, uh, if that name rings a bell. Uh, Mordecai, uh, uh, Wally, the the Yankee. Oh, so so you do know. Him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mordecai, the, the Yankees, been uh, hanging out here all, all last week. And what a terrible, terrible fate that befell him and uh, uh, torn apart like that by that cougar. Yeah, I, I mean, did he did he spend much time here? Or I mean, it, it seemed at, at least that this was one of his preferred spots. Oh, he loves he, lo- uh, he loves my uh, almond croissants. He was uh, in here uh, all last week, uh, just uh, hanging out. Uh, uh, he's uh, in, in the quarter and, um, uh, you know, throwing money around, uh, buying coffee for everybody, uh, just uh, meeting people. He seemed like a real nice guy. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, who could turn down your almond croissants, if, if I'm being honest? But I guess what we're really trying to understand is, did you recognize anybody who he might have been meeting with? Um, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, was kind of talking to everybody. Uh, he, he never really came in with anybody. He'd, he'd come in and, uh, just, uh, like listen to the poets and they come in and the musician and, uh, uh, again, he'd, like talking to everybody, wanting to buy everybody, uh, coffee beignets. Uh, as, as Remy is having this conversation, what are the rest of you guys doing? I'm just listening in, actually. From the, my my uh, vantage point. Listening, and, and, you, and he says, "Oh, you guys are who? who, who your friend says, how you doing, Rose?" Oh, I'm fine. Oh, I could use some of that coffee, though. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, follow me, and, and we can keep talking. And he goes over to the like the counter, and you guys can follow him over there. Um, now, if it's if it's any of you guys' first time in the brew. Just go ahead and make spot hidden rolls. I'll, I'll see if there's anything else maybe you want. I have a thing. Oh, uh, that's a 70. No. Uh, uh, 72. Nope, I didn't make it. 48. I dropped my dice and I have no idea where it went. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just grab another. I, I made mine. Did you say yeah. spot hidden? Yeah. Uh, 34 out of 40. So, yeah, I, I made it barely. So there's not, not too much that you um, notice really out of the ordinary. It just seems like, you know, a cafe or a coffee shop, you know, very similar to the ones you've been in. Um, you, let's see, I'll just kind of paint a picture of this place. Um, there's some small tables. There's some bigger tables where there's like a family having brunch. In the, um, in the, the bottom left-hand corner of like when you, in, off to your right, when you, off to your right, when you walk in the front door, there's like a little stage area. They do poetry readings and things like that. Um, there's like a restroom um, back into the left. 
there's uh, the counter that has the, the pastry counter and the, um, the coffee shop and then the coffee pots and all that kind of stuff, the espresso machine. And then there's like um, behind that, there's an, there's an oak door with a couple locks on it that presumably would go up to, you know, his, his house. Yeah, everybody knows that. Right, right. Santa Lucia. He lives above, him, above the... Yeah. So, Remy, from what your friend just said, it would seem that, that he wasn't meeting with people. He just came here and bought for everyone because he was considers himself rich. Yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like uh, he was meeting anybody in particular or just, well, at least from, from what uh, Santiago said, it seems like he was just kind of casually hanging about and then occasionally would buy you know, croissants or drinks Which for whoever was here. Makes sense with all of the, the strange high numbers on everything. You know, That's six right. coffees and two cafe LA's and a pot of tea. And yeah, he was buying it for, he was buying around for everyone. That's what it seems like. He had uh, said he was flush. Yeah, he was flush. Now, so was, I, he, was he, is he usually, uh, I guess, that well off? I mean, he, he's a stranger in town. He's not from here. Hmm. He's he's that flush once he's got seven hundred dollars for five little gold coins. So he sounds like he was trying to get popular really fast. Yeah, it sounds like he was an idiot Waitley who has never had money in his life and just thought that it would be fun to know people who don't know how to handle money just start throwing it around. So I would for I sure. Would, so why do you buy the the painting and the statues though? There's still no because he wanted them. He wanted them, and he, and he, think he bought them on the on the on the whim that you know just something. And then he went to a, he went to a, a prostitute so that he could you know wet his whistle and and make, uh, uh, make at this point make a spot hidden roll everybody or um or a, past. Or, make a spot hidden or three no I got a twenty one so that's hard I ain't the pastry okay. counter too much. I didn't hear I mean, what you said, uh, Keeper. Okay. Who you said make a you said make a spot hidden roll or yeah, just who who passed that spot hidden? I, I got a hard. Okay. Um once once John Jerry so you guys are having this conversation while um uh while Santos is like he's turning around with the coffee and then the coffee to Rose. That's at the point where John Jerry says, Why did he buy the paintings and, and the and the books? And those of you who passed the spot hidden, you notice just for a second it like almost like a like a flash in, in Santos's eyes. Like you just caught it you caught a reaction and then and then back to you know back to a smile. Is this gonna get gonna get you uh you folks anything else? How, how are you, Alicia? You want uh, you want anything? Uh maybe uh cappuccino, uh yeah, another one of those uh nice little croissants you got. What else do you have? What, what what do you have on special today? Oh, we got the uh we you know, my famous beignets, uh almond croissant, chocolate croissant. Ooh, uh we got um yeah, almond give me an almond croissant. That sounds Oh, and, and what about you, sir, Mr. Uh, I, I didn't catch your name, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fontenot. He, he, he was looking at uh, John Jerry. Oh. Yeah, John Jerry. 
I was going to say I don't want to tell him I'm a I'm a cop right now. So. Mr. John Jerry, okay, uh, can I can I would you like one of these? Are uh, delicious salmon croissants? Oh, definitely, definitely, and take coffee as well. So, and and, and I'm sorry, you are, and then he, he you know then he addresses Leon. Uh, Professor Leon Fontenot. Professor. Yes, uh, linguistics. Can I say something to him in French? I say, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? No, I don't say that. Something he says, oh, I mean, so I'm, 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 he'll, he'll, he'll respond to you in French. He says, but uh, you know, my family is Spanish. Oh, well, then I think he'll say something to you in Spanish. Okay. I, res I respond in Spanish. Yeah, in fact, I probably can tell him the dialect where his where his family's probably from. Castilian. Ah. Um, and he says, and he says, uh, where are you, Professor at, sir? Uh, Tulane. Tulane, oh, prestigious. I've just been living here for the past uh, couple of months now. Um, well, welcome, welcome to the city. It's uh, the most magnificent city. So I, I will kind of intervene and I'll say, well, I, I deeply apologize. I, I should have introduced you to my friends. Um, and obviously you've met them at this point. Um, but back to this gentleman, Mordecai, I, I, I want to understand um, if, if you noticed anything strange uh, when, when he was here. And in addition, I'd like to make a psychology role when I, when I ask him that question. Ah, Remy, you, you moonlighting as detective now? <laughs> I'll say, well, no, of course not. You, I mean, of course, you know, I'm but a simple barkeep, but, uh, you know, obviously there have been some strange happenings around the French Quarter, and it's bad for business if, if uh, folks are scared uh, about our businesses and, and about Bourbon Street. Ah, you, you know, you know I, I love keeping the French Quarter safe, my friend. Uh, and he's like trying, you know, organize neighborhood watches and stuff like that. You, you know that he says if you want to uh, keep the quarter safe, uh, my friend, maybe you head down to the zoo, uh, put down this Congo I hear we've been talking about. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been down there a time or two, and it doesn't seem like there's any real danger down that way. But uh, it may seem there there may be something a bit more nefarious uh, going on. Okay, make your psychology roll. Okay. That is a 95. <laughs> that is no good. <laughs> uh, Remy, always trying to keep the people safe. I, I love this, man. Any, any friend of Remy's friend of mine. Uh, well, since we're all sort of listening in, I say to him, I say, you know, we went down, we were kind of curious, we went down and took a look at that cougar Congo. So that, that, that old, old beast is so dried up and old. There's no way he could have done any of this. This must be something from out of the bayou. Uh, many, uh, Many terrors in the bayou, my friend, but uh, but uh, this was uh, the work of a cat. You know, I, I was early on the scene that day, uh, coming out to open the shop. What uh, what did you see? Because you know there are other big cats at that zoo. I saw uh, the the poor tore up body of uh, our friend Mordecai and uh, and and now uh, footprints that clearly belong to cat. Did the rain come, wash the blood away? They have la tigre and they have la lion. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lover of the animals, my friend. But uh, but that cougar, I, I love I love my uh, community more. That that cougar is an old dried up husk of an animal, like a big old kitten. 
Well, I, uh, you know, then wish him a, wish him a natural death. Well, that'll come soon enough. Did you, did you by chance see any kind of truck hanging around? Well, I, I heard it said that there was a, um, a, a zoo truck spotted in the area. That was another funny thing, because we were over at the zoo. They don't have such a truck. Uh, you are also a detective, Professor. The, uh, you, 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 are, you are quite a gang of sleuths. It's, the, uh, it's the, the logical mind that I end up with, thanks to my university uh, uh, job. Um, we were concerned about Mr. Mordecai here. We've, we've run into similar things around town about him spending a great deal of money. Maybe you should uh, go search out uh, enroll with the FBI uh, with you uh, and Remy and your group of friends and uh, see if you can chase down uh, Mr. Capone. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Santiago, you're such a, such a joker. But uh, I <laughs> What makes you think Mr. Capone ain't locked up in the back, back of our van outside? <laughs> <laughs> uh, make a psychology roll, um, Leon. Uh, 27. What is my psychology? My psychology is 60. Yes, I passed. That's a better than half. Uh, under the laughs, he's getting annoyed. Yeah. Uh, if you like, excuse me, my friends. It's so good to meet you all. And, uh, and Remy, always good to see you. And, and, and Rose and Alicia, too. And uh, uh, Mr. Jerry uh, is a uh, professor. It's, uh, maybe I'll see you around Tulane sometime. Excuse me, I must get back to my other customers. Why do they want that cougar dead? Yeah, so I, I won't push it. I'll just, just tell them, you know, thank you so much for your hospitality and give them a big hug and kind of kind of walk away. All right, Remy, you're the best, Remy. You're the best. I hope that we haven't accidentally alerted somebody involved in this. And Miss Mar- Miss Martinez, go- always good to see you again, Alicia. And he, he takes takes yeah. you and gives it a kiss. And Sandoz is handsome, by the way, uh, ladies. Oh, is he? Uh, well, yeah. well then. Oh, you should have mentioned that before. I would have been hanging all over this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, uh, he is. Uh, he's uh, oh, and he's tall, 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 dark, and handsome. Like he's the quintessential. Oh man! Um, but also, like um, you know, he's. Uh, he feel, also seems casual, like he's got like thick dark hair, and it's kind of it's kind of like must, you know. And he's got on his like uh, like not quite like a like a like a chef's uniform, but he's wearing like a white apron, you know, over uh, over his clothes and stuff. So he's definitely very charming and, and handsome. Well, when I when I spotted that, you know, he was acting a little strange. I hope he didn't like look at me, you know, sort of sideways. I hope I didn't leave a bad impression. That's basically what I'm saying. I'm just going to ask Professor Leon, do you think he's lying our way to us or just just kind of beating around the bush? And, you know, just no, no, we're not within earshot. So Yeah. No, I'm going to, you know, once he walks away, I'm going to give you a bit of an elbow. It's, uh, he doesn't want us to stick our noses in here. Yeah. He also seemed he also seemed kind of desirous of getting rid of that cougar. 
Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll interject and say, well, you know, for all us business owners, all of this is just bad for business and I'll, I'll kind of wave it off, but uh, I have a bit of my own suspicion, so. Perhaps, perhaps that's it. Perhaps he wants to do the same way the others want the cougar dead just because best to get this done and over with and then you don't have to talk about it anymore. That that makes total sense. Yeah, but what happened? Blame that poor innocent old cougar. Oh. So so what did they what did they do if they kill the cougar and then another attack happens just like that? Um, well, obviously. What sort of experience you know, from what I understand, uh, the murders that took place in Whitechapel in, in London uh, with uh, the Jack the Ripper, uh, they continued for months after the police stopped reporting them. Police made it look like they had stopped completely. They hadn't stopped. They just wanted to calm the people down. And I think they just want to kill the old old cougar so that they can calm the people down. But you're right. I mean, if it continued, then they'd have to deal with that. But maybe they do a better job of keeping it a secret. It's like the police in London did. I could keep something like this a secret. Well, they they try. I mean, the police the police have it hard enough fighting criminals, but fighting people who aren't criminals, trying to get things into their take things into their own hands, demanding justice when uh, the police don't have a clue. We're probably closer to the truth than the police are. But in any case, I think we should get over to that pawn shop. I agree. I think that's the next step. I'm going to glance over and see if uh, the proprietor here has gone over to the phone and is like making a phone call. You know. Um, Make a luck roll. Uh, Let's see. 89. How good is my luck? Yeah, it ain't that. So he went around the corner, maybe. <laughs> I can't see. But you you don't see him on the you don't see him on the phone. What you but what you do see is he um he uh he he tells the other person who's working that as you guys are leaving and you turn around to look back at him, you see him tell the like other person who's working there with him in the shop. He's like, hey, watch the front. I'll be back. And then he goes over to that large oak door, um, and does one lock. Uh, with, you know, has a key, unlocks one, takes a second key, unlocks the second one, goes beyond it and closes it. <clears throat> and we'll call it there for tonight. Oh. Really good. <laughs> I am very curious as to what's going on. Intrigued. All right. Our players included Joshua Hook, Kim Smeltzer, Wayne Worthy, Greg Malcolm, and myself with Ken LeBlanc. Kurt LeBlanc as the Keeper of the Secrets. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt. 
The music and the music we're using for this campaign is Save My Soul by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. They're kind enough to give us permission to use it. I have put a link in uh, to their YouTube channel in the description below. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production. In order to create a richer listener experience, we provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We love reading them. This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.